Okay, for our second message today to be brought to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson, it is entitled, Jesus, Son of God, Savior. Good afternoon, everyone. Today we're going to uh, read what the scriptures say about Jesus as the Son of God, Lord, and Savior, about who he is and our relation to him and to God the Father and what he means to us and to see how he is the beginning and the aim of our faith. Today in this world, we, uh, in this age, we hear uh, how some are arming for uh, war, as in North Korea and Russia and the U.S. as well as other nations who will probably want to follow suit. So how do we prepare our life and what do the words of God say to us in this time? And we know already that the weapons of our warfare are spiritual, having faith, having hope, having love, and knowing that our rock, that is our hiding place, our refuge, is in Jesus Christ, Son of God, Lord, and Savior. So he is our coming king and the author and the finisher of our faith. I suppose by now you have the handout that uh, I usually prepare for you. And in regard to the uh, handout... Uh, of these scriptural references, you know, as usual, my cup runneth over. So I listed them at least to give you my train of thought. Uh, so if I get off uh, the track, you can uh, go back to these scriptures and, and, and refer to them. Now, as most speakers know, those who give sermons, sermonettes, and split sermons, and so on, a lot of hours goes into uh, the preparation of, of a message. There was this boy who was watching his father, who was a preacher, writing out his sermon, and he asked his dad, how do you know what to say? And his dad said to him, uh, why God tells me. And uh, the son replied, well, oh, but why do you keep crossing things out? So sometimes uh, when I do this, I, a lot of things I cross out, a lot of things I put back in. And it's a good thing there's a word processor that, that makes it much easier. In John 14, Jesus said, You believe in God? Believe also in me. And in John 10:30, he said, I and my Father are one. Then in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, and verse 6, concerning Jesus Christ, we read, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery, to be equal with God. Now we know that the Jews were monotheists. They believed in one God and so they, the many Jews and the Pharisees and the elders and the scribes, they did not accept Jesus' claim of Messiahship or being the Son of God. So when Jesus began his ministry, he began to preach. He began to preach repentance and the kingdom of heaven and to do miracles of healing and to not deny really that he was the son of God as you know we will see throughout throughout this, this sermon for example in John chapter 9 uh, we see where Jesus had restored the sight of a blind man and after witnessing these things to the, the, the elders and those that were in charge of the religion uh, Jesus had heard that the blind man that he had healed was cast out of the temple. In verse 35, And Jesus found him, and he said unto him, Do you believe on the Son of God? And he, the blind man, who could now see, answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And in verse 37, And Jesus said unto him, You have both seen him, and it is he that talks with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. 
So as we look upon our own life, we can see where God in times past has been there to help us, has been there to bless us, has been there to do things for us. Some perhaps in small ways, some in large ways. Now, according to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 39, it says, There is no God but God. And you may remember from Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus uh, said in verse 10, where, where he said to Satan, As it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So you, we see a narrow uh, a declaration, a statement that God, uh, Jesus is making. But we know that multitudes begin to follow Jesus. And so the pious Jews also were following Jesus in order to catch him in some wrong or in some statement that would uh, uh, betray him. So who was this man that said and did those things, those miraculous things, the preaching, the teaching, and the healing? So in the mindset of many of the Jews, the elders, Pharisees, scribes, all those things looked blasphemous, sounded blasphemous. They believed in one God and his authority, and they believed this before Jesus was born. In Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 54, when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogues, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence does this man this wisdom and these mighty works? So they heard his words, realized them to be knowledgeable, full of wisdom, and also, along with that, mighty works. And they were astonished. And then they said in verse 55, Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren, James and Joseph, Simon and Judas? Then in Matthew chapter 26, Matthew chapter 26, we read where there were false witnesses that were looked for in order to uh, say uh, false things about Christ. And a couple of them were brought before the council and before Caiaphas, the high priest. And he rose and he demanded that Jesus answer some of these charges that, that were falsely, well, he claimed them to be true, but they were false charges against Christ. And in verse 61, it says, this fellow, this fellow said, you were able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and he said unto him, answer you nothing. What about these charges that this, this fellow is bringing up? Do you have anything at all to say? What is it which these witnesses, uh, these witness against you? But it says, Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered, and he said unto him, I adjure you by the living God, that you tell us whether you be the Son, Christ the Son of God. And Jesus said unto him, You have said, that is, you have said truly. Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes. And it's kind of, you know, looking at that scripture, you think about the clothes that we have on now, that it would be kind of hard to rip, would it? And so the clothing at that time, I guess, was easy to rent. But it was, it angered him. And the reason of that anger was because Jesus, he heard, spoke blasphemy. And he said, what further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. We don't need any more to witness. What do you think? And they answered and said, he is guilty of death. And then did they spit in his face, the face of our Savior? And they buffeted him. You know, like, like the waves that buffet against a ship, just pounding against him. 
And others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, mocking him, prophesy unto us, you Christ, who is it that smote you, who hit you? Who's that buffeting you? Who's buff uh, uh, who did those? So we see that this violence took place on the day of the Passover, which we know is, is coming up. And Christ then began to suffer for our sake in becoming our Passover lamb to pay the ultimate price for our redemption and our salvation. In John chapter 6, verse 39. And this is the Father's will. That was the Father's will, which sent me. And in verse 40, and this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Everlasting life is, is really a great reward. And eye has not seen or ear heard of the things that God has prepared for them that love him. A time in having everlasting life when, when uh, members of our, even our own family and friends who have passed away, who are, who are dead, asleep in their graves, waiting for that day, will be risen. And so everlasting life is that reward that we're looking to. And the Jews, however, in verse 41, murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And again, in verse 42, they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then, he says, I came down from heaven? Go drop down to verse 47 there. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. So that is at least a good start. He that believes on Jesus has everlasting life. The fact that we are here, that we are you know, reading the Bible, that we believe in prayer, that we believe in singing songs and worshiping God on the Sabbath, we believe on him and we have everlasting life unless we do something that will, you know, change the course. And he says in verse 48, I am that bread of life. He's our daily bread of life. So we see as the days of unleavened bread coming up, we see that we need to partake of Jesus Christ and remember what he did for us and what, it, what, it, what we have to do in order to have everlasting life, to partake of that bread of life. In John chapter 1, verse 32, 34, I don't know if I gave this, but this is where John bore record. He said, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode uh, upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me. Now, this is John speaking. Upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptize, baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And verse 34, and I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. And so he's speaking of Jesus Christ. You remember in Matthew chapter 13, uh, chapter 3 now. It may be 13. I'm probably missing a digit there. But in verse 16, Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So we have the voice of God confirming that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, in Matthew uh, 16, uh, verse 13, when Jesus had come to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, well, saying, well, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, well, some say that you are John the Baptist, some say you are Elias, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And when you read this statement, you, you, uh, it tells us that Jesus preach the words of the prophets and that in so much the people uh, saw that his message and his ministry made people think 
that he was one of them. And in verse 15, he said unto them, But whom say you that I am? And Simon answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Now we who believe this, that in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, God has shown it to you. He has shown it to me, and he has called us unto his Son, and is revealed unto you, but by my Father, which is in heaven. So we see Jesus. We see Jesus, that he is the Christ, that he is the Son of the living God. And if we believe in God, we can also believe in him, and that he and the Father are one. So, coming soon, we know, is the Passover, days of unleavened bread, in which we turn our eyes upon Jesus as the Lamb of God, as a sacrifice for sin, and to partake of the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth, and to partake of the wine that represents the uh, blood sacrificed for us. In part two, Jesus, the Alpha and Omega, in verse eight of Revelation, it says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. So Jesus applies this name to himself. So let's see what John wrote here in Revelation 2, in reference to that in verse 10. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book, and send it unto the churches, seven churches, which are in Asia, and then he mentions those churches. And this letter has seen its way, even to our time today. And as you know from you know, other sermons and studies, these churches represent the various strengths and the weaknesses of members in each assembly, with the overall message of examining ourselves and a message of repentance and of overcoming and of the reward for overcoming that is ahead. Now, whose voice was this that John heard that said, I am Alpha and Omega? Verse 12, we read on here, and, you know, John tells us, and he said, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. And so he describes in verse 14 further his head, and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. So he had this visage of, uh, of very brightness, of uh, whitish brightness, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as a sound of many waters. And in his, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as a sun shines in his strength. Now this is describing the glorified. Christ is describing Jesus Christ glorified because in verse 17 and when I saw him that's John I fell at his feet as dead and he laid his right hand upon me saying unto me fear not I am the first and the last I am he that lives and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore amen and have the keys of hell and of death. So we see that this is referring to Jesus Christ who lived and was dead uh, just as any human being would be for a length of time and, and then they die. Again in Revelation 21 6 and 7 we see where 
uh, and he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. You may remember back in Exodus where uh, the, the people, the Israelites, were, were thirsty. And Moses uh, uh, hit the rock and, and water gushed forth. That water of life for them gave them physical strength and refreshment. Here we see where the Alpha and Omega, he that is the thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely, that he will give it. And in verse 7, And he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Revelation chapter 22, 13. If there's a scripture here that's, you know, that I mentioned that's not in the handout, you know, you just write it in. And in verse 12, he says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So this voice that said, I am Alpha and Omega, was the voice of Jesus Christ, who was and is come. Now the Apostle John also wrote, you know, that which we have seen, verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. In Philippians, the Apostle Paul, he said to them, Grace and peace be unto you from God and, our, and God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5 of Philippians, he says in chapter 1 that in his prayer, that is of Paul, that he, he was making joyful requests uh, for their fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, be, uh, being confident that he which had begun a good work in you or them and in us will perform until the day of Jesus Christ. So we have fellowship, and I think, was it last week or a couple of weeks ago where, where uh, it was mentioned fellowship, uh, the konoi, konani, as a partnership that we have, participation in the good news of salvation, kind of like in a joint venture with Christ and God the Father and all of us who share this uh, faith in the gospel. Of course, you remember John 3.16, that God so loved the world. So Jesus came preaching repentance, came preaching the good news of salvation, the kingdom of heaven, and to give, uh, that he was to give his life as the sacrifice for our sins. So as the Passover nears, we should remember Jesus, our Savior. We should remember him as, as the one who gave his life that we might live. Because he was sent by God as the propitiation for our sins. He said, I am he that lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And he has the keys of hell and of death. But where is Jesus now? Where did he go? Mark chapter 16, verse 19. So then, verse 19, so then after the Lord had spoken unto him, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. That doesn't mean, you know, he sat on God's hand or anything, but he sat on the throne next to God at his right hand. In Acts chapter 2, verse 32, this Jesus has God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. So there are other places where it says that 
Jesus is at the right hand of God. That's where he went. He went up to the throne of God, to the heavenly throne, and that is where he is. In Romans 8, chapter, uh, in Romans 8 verse 34, it says, It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God, and he also makes intercession for us. So that's what he's doing. When we have trouble, when we have trials, when we have pains, and when we have sorrows, sickness, heartache, doubt, fear, when we are in need in help or in forgiveness, Jesus is making intercession for us. Anytime we go in prayer with Jesus on one side and Christ on the other, in our prayer to God, Jesus is right there. He is right there to make intercession for us. So Jesus is the foundation of our Christian faith. He's the cornerstone of the church and those called by God to believe and trust in his son. And so as Jesus declared, you believe in God, believe also in me next section Jesus our rock source of salvation as I said Jesus is the foundation of our faith he is our rock in so many ways and in the Old Testament we know that the rock represents a type of Jesus Christ for example in, in Numbers chapter 24 21 uh, a rock is uh, represented as a hiding place from the storm, from the tempest, from the wind, and the enemy. We think of those in a physical light, but it is also in a spiritual light that he is our rock. That whatever ails us or whatever buffets, buffets us now, Jesus is our rock. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4, this rock also represents the sure foundation of our faith. And in verse 13, we see where life-giving honey and water come from this, come out of the rock. So for those who believe in him and heed his words, his words of life, he is like an anchor in the storm, a sure foundation. on a uh, documentary uh, where uh, people were trying to uh, see uh, where the ark of the uh, Noah's Ark is and some believe they have found it and they have found these giant stones, these big stones that perhaps anchored the boat in the storm and it was uh, just all around, not in just one anchor but all around the ark. So in in our boat, in our journey on a boat of life, we need to remember that Jesus is our anchor. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24, here's what Jesus said. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Now, there are many uh, words, there are many statements and declarations that Jesus has made. But if we, only if we heed them will we be able to have a sure foundation. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat upon the house, and it didn't fall because it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine, he said, and does, doesn't do them, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. So there are many ways in which our foolishness uh, can uh, cause us to collapse in some way. But if you know, we would think it out and look for the wisdom of God, then you know, the collapse won't come so easy. But all of us, you know, sometimes we have to uh, fix a, a member, a frame in our house. We have to repair a window or a draft or we have to check the foundation in the roof we have to be sure that our house is going to stand so in the same way we look upon our faith as as a temple of God to be sure that uh, to take heed lest we fall 
And the rain descended, floods came, winds blew, beat upon the house, it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Then in verse 21 up above it says, However, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. As we know, Jesus said, I will build my church. And there were many who perhaps must have heard Jesus came to replace God. And he had 12 apostles and he had a following. And people were listening to his preaching. They were witnessing the miracles of healing. But we know many of the Jews in the religious establishment, they did not accept his claim as a son of God or see him as a Messiah. And they wanted him to show proof from heaven. In Matthew chapter 16, it says, verse uh, 13, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees first, they were tempting him and they desired a sign from heaven. And here's what he told them. He said, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign and there shall be no sign given it but the sign of Jonah, the prophet. And he left them and he departed. Now, verse 13 as we read earlier, that he, uh, the disciples asked him, well, who do men, they asked, uh, Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they related that, uh, they thought, well, he's John the Baptist, or Jeremiah. So we see uh, that Jesus made it known, made it plain, that he is the Son of God. And we also see in verse 18, where he said, and I say also unto you that you are Peter, which is uh, Petros, which means a stone, and upon this rock, Petra, which is a large rock, he said, I will build my church, Ecclesia, a chosen, a called out assembly, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So these words say to us that the church is not built upon any man. It's not built upon Peter or some other man but upon the rock the son of the living God Jesus being the chief cornerstone and if we believe in him we also believe in God the father the one who called us to his son Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18 for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the father now, therefore, you are no more strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and you're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, we know that some have written books that Jesus was just some man who came along, did some good, got married, had children, then died, or that he just never existed. But we see Jesus was the God of the Old Testament. He was the Son of God. Remember in the book of John uh, where it says in verse 1 that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was uh, God and the Word was with God. And the same was in the beginning with God. And we see in verse 14 of that chapter that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So earlier, you know, I had asked, well, where is Jesus now? In the book of Hebrews, chapter 8, <clears throat> now the things, verse 1, now the things we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty uh, in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. And who is this high priest referring to? Hebrews chapter 7, we see that he is likened unto Melchizedek. Verse 1, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth of all, first being by interpretation, this Melchizedek, king of righteousness, and also king of Salem, which is peace, and without father, 
without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth the priest continually. So Melchizedek, we see, was a timeless figure, a type of Christ. His name, King of Righteousness, is you know, suitable to his, uh, Jesus' character. It marked him as a type of the Messiah and, and his kingdom. And the name of this city signifies peace. And as king of peace, he typifies Christ, the prince of peace, the, uh, the great reconciler to God, of God and man. And he typically represented, resembled the son of, of God who, whose existence is from everlasting to everlasting. And verse 4, consider how great this man was. So we know that in those days the priests offered uh, sacrifices under the Mosaic Covenant, uh, which acted out what Christ would one day do as high priest in the various offerings and the sacrifices that we see uh, in, in the book of the Old Testament. But these were shadows of things to come, the shadow of the ministry of Jesus Christ. So everything was intended to prepare Israel for the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So ancient Israel saw Jesus, they saw God as their rock, a rock symbolic of strength and refuge and a hiding place. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Moreover, brethren, verse 1, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat. And did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. They were all under that cloud. All under the same authority. And they passed through the sea like in a, a baptism. But they all ate the same spiritual meat. And followed the rock that was Christ. Finally, in the, uh, this uh, last section here, uh, before we go to the last section, that is, uh, Psalm 8 2. Uh, this is what King David wrote. And here we see a brief summary of the Christian faith and how David saw the hand of God in his many trials and troubles. David wrote, Perhaps as we, if we recall some of the things in our life that we've come through that, that would make us say these things and recognize these things. He said, the Lord is my rock. That he is my fortress. That he is my deliverer. That he is my God. That he is my strength in whom I will trust. So when we think that the odds might be against us. When we think that we just don't have uh, the strength, that we are, uh, feel like we are weak, we say this, that he is our strength in whom I will trust. He is my buckler, that is a shield. He is the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I'm about two minutes away from going 45 minutes I think so uh, this last part is uh, about a great controversy for in John 10 as, as uh, mentioned earlier Jesus said in verse 30 I and my father are one which you know led directly to Christ being uh, crucified now when you look at the number one it represents individuality also a unit that is not subject separation but verse 31 the Jews took up stones again to stoning and Jesus answered them many good works have I showed you from my father for which of those works do you stone me and the Jews answered him saying for good work we stone you not but for blasphemy and because you being a man because that's how they saw him make yourself God Jesus answered them is it not written in your law? I said you are gods. And referring to uh, these judges who you know, could make life and death decisions. And if you call them gods unto whom the word of God came and the scriptures cannot be broken, say you of him whom the father has sanctified.
and sent into the world, you blasphemous, because I said, I am the son of God. But if I do not the works of my father, don't believe me. Verse 38, but if I do, though you don't believe in me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. That the father is in me and I in him. Therefore, they sought again to take him. But he escaped out of their hand. And he went again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized. And there he abode. And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spoke of this man were true. And many believed on him there. So Jesus went back to that place. You know, the waters where he was baptized, remembering well. Uh, the Holy Spirit coming down. And there sometimes in our own life, we, we go to some place that kind of gives us a, a refreshing feel. But remember that the Jews were monotheists. Uh, they, uh, they were believers in one God and his authority. And they believed that before Jesus was born. But when Jesus came along, he was glorified by many because when he said to the paralyzed man, your sins be forgiven, rise up and walk. And in, ver in Luke chapter 5, verse 21, the scribes and the Pharisees said, well, who is this which speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So Jesus perceived their thoughts, answered them, why do you reason in you in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say your sins be forgiven or to say rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sins. Because, you know, that's what he said to the man's sick of palsy. I say unto you, arise and take up your couch and go into your house. And immediately the this man rose up, palsy, paralyzed before. Now... He could rise up and he could walk. And he took the bed that he uh, was carrying and he departed to his house. And it says in verse 26 that they were all amazed. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying we have seen strange things today. And as the Apostle Mark put it, they said we've never seen it in this fashion, which was referring to these wonders of God. Now, in Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 8, we read this. It says in verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, 5 through 15, it says, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. In verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your hearts and with all your soul and with all your might. Then in verse 13, uh, 15, for the Lord your God is a jealous God among you. And lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and destroy you from off the face of the earth. And in Psalm 45, 6, it says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your, scepter, scepter of your kingdom is a right scepter. So we ask here who wrote these words and who is it about? In particular to this one where it says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And in verse uh, 8 uh, of Hebrews 1, but unto the Son, he said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. So it is the Father that is saying this to the Son, Thy throne. And he's saying to the Son, uh, to the son O God. If you read the rest of that, I want to go ahead and hurry, uh, go through a little bit more here. In John chapter 1, that verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, 
and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, showing that eternal life referring to Jesus Christ, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. So here's how our joy may be full. In John 1, 3, 5, it says he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. In 1 John 3, 8, it says the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And in 1 John 4, 9, he was manifest. He manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son in the world that we might live through him. And Jesus said in John 10, as the father knows me in verse 15, even so I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore, does my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. So we see that all these things that Jesus did, that he preached, that all these things eventually led to his crucifixion and death. And this death, some think, well, this disqualifies Jesus as God. But because of the reason, since God cannot die, Jesus then must not be a God. He must not be a deity. But here is what Jesus said, verse 18. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. The Amplified Bible reads it like this. No one takes it away from me. On the contrary, I lay it down voluntarily, that is a I put it from myself. I am authorized and have power to lay it down, that is to resign it. And I am authorized to and have power to take it back again. These are the instructions or the orders which I have received as my charge from my father. So the power to do that is quite a mystery. But what we do know is that Christ laid down his life for us and was resurrected back into the glory he left. John 17 and verse 1, these words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify your son and your, that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life as to many as you have given him. And this is life eternal, that you, they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify you, glorify uh, you me with your own self, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And so, First <clears throat> Timothy chapter 3. Uh, without co and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. That's what it says. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed, in, believed on in the word world, and received up in glory. And in John chapter 5, verse 39, it says, Search the scriptures, for in them you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. We know that these scriptures uh, that is referred to is, is, is the Old Testament. But these scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. The New Testament can be found in the Old. The Old Testament can be found in, in the New. And we see proof of this in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, where the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise and go, for, uh, and go toward the south unto the way that goes from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, this is Philip, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, or a, a eunuch of great authority, 
under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot where he's reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join yourself to this chariot. And Philip ran there to him and, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch, he said, Philip, how can I accept some man should guide me? And so he desired Philip that he would come, come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture where he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray you, who is this prophet talking about? Of himself or some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and he preached unto him Jesus. So what all this comes to when it's all put together, it, when it, it means this. And, you know, there's a lot of other things that we could go through. But in John uh, 2, 23, it says that he that acknowledges a son has a father also. Let's go to Philip's Philippians chapter 2 and this will be the final reference it says in verse 1 if there be therefore any consolation in Christ if any comfort of love if any fellowship of the spirit if any bowels of mercy fulfill you my joy that you be like minded having the same love being of one accord of one mind let nothing be done through strife or vain glory but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. In verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. That is, he became, he became human flesh. And he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So Christ risked his very life for our sake. And we know that with God, all things are possible. And as he said, I and my Father are one. And if you believe in God, believe also in me, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery, to be equal with God. He is the bread of life. And to have this life, we must partake of that daily bread and ask for it. So we stand on a sure foundation, a rock. Jesus is our rock. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the Son of God, our Lord and our Savior.